The month of August, um, we've been looking at the Living for Jesus series, and it's been life-changing. I hope it has been for you. And by way of recap, at the beginning, David laid a very strong foundation for us to build on. And then the following week, Stephanie came and spoke on purity. Last week, Tim was here to talk about worrying. Are we guilty of worrying? Well, today we have another topic, and I'm going to be talking about repentance and forgiveness. Now, I'm not a motivational speaker. This word is going to be bitter. I looked at myself in the mirror this morning, and I said, actually, you look like a nurse. So I'm going to be serving you your bitter medicine. And please take it, because it's going to make you better. This morning, I'm going to be looking at forgiveness in relationship to God our Father, and forgiveness in relationship to people around us, family, friends, relatives, colleagues at work. I'm also going to be looking at offense. And we're going to do business with God today. My daughters will often say to me, Mommy, it's not that deep. This time, it is deep. This is deep stuff. Let's look at repentance, and I like keeping things simple. What is repentance? Simply put, repentance is making a U-turn. Coming back home. And the, the, the definition I love the best is coming to one's senses. That's the definition I love the best. Changing one's mind. Forgiveness is simply letting go. Forgoing a debt that is being owed. That's forgiveness. Let's start with us. There's one thing that binds every one of us in this room. We're a family of sinners now saved by grace. We're a forgiving family. And that is deep. That's a big deal. I often look at forgiveness as God's forgiveness, God's mercy, as an Open check with your name on. Can you imagine somebody giving you an open check? And you can put any amount. What amount would you put on it? Any amount. Any sin is covered. Any offense is covered. And you can take it to the bank. But then there's a catch. The Lord is happy, willing, and able to forgive us but he expects that we will forgive others. We all say the Lord's Prayer, don't we? Let's look at Matthew 6, verse 12. 
It's something we say off head and we don't really think about it. It says, forgive us our sins as we forgive others. So there's a responsibility and an expectation that we would also forgive others. And if we go further down, 14 and 15, God says something that is so key. God says, if you forgive, I will forgive you. And if you don't forgive, I won't forgive you. And if you have a red letter uh, Bible, it's there in red letters. So it's a big deal. Now let's look at offense, because that's something we overlook. The Bible says in Matthew 5:23, and I'm going to paraphrase. It says, "If you're offering your sacrifice at the altar, and suddenly you remember that somebody has something against you." Leave your sacrifice at the altar. Go back and reconcile with that person. Some of us are going to do that today. Offense will come. We can't avoid it. And you know the funny thing? The people closest to you, the people closest to you, are the ones that will offend you the most. The people you can't get away from are the ones that will offend you the most. But the Lord says we should forgive. I often say to my friends, I believe some people are placed in my own life to teach me forgiveness. Yes, think about it. Some people are placed in your life that you can't get rid of, but they are there to teach you how to forgive. Some years ago, somebody said some very hurtful things to me. I just want to be open and real, because as I was preparing this, it took me on my own journey. And there's no point coming out here and being a hypocrite. Some years ago, somebody said some very hurtful things to me. They hurt me to my core. And I'm still emotional sometimes when I think about it. Although I've forgiven, obviously. And I drove home that day thinking about what had happened. And I was consumed with the situation. I was thinking, this is this is bad. Now, now they've crossed the red line. There's no going back. And I was in the city of London driving. I wasn't even looking at where I was going. And before you know it, I was driving on the bus lane. And of course, the next week, what came through the post? <laughs> An 80-pound fine. That's double jeopardy, isn't it? So I had the offense, and then I had to pay this fine. 
But that taught me a lesson. You see, unforgiveness takes you to a dark place. Dark, lonely place. If you allow unforgiveness into your life, it doesn't come alone. Unforgiveness has siblings, you know. Unforgiveness has some cousins. Four of them. Bitterness, resentment, hatred, and anger. They will move into your life and they will stay there. You will ha suddenly have five unwanted guests in your home. Let's look at some examples of unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is like a tenant living rent-free in your head. I think there's a slide I gave, I'm not sure. Rent-free in your head. You wake up with the tenant. You take the tenant to work. You bring the tenant back. You sleep with the tenant. Rent-free. Using up your gas and your electricity. Using up your emotions. Your emotions. Unforgiveness is like a blocked water pipe. Have you had that? And then when you turn on the tap, it spills everywhere. Unforgiveness blocks your channels of joy, of peace. It prevents access to your promised future. And when you turn on the tap, what happens? The water goes everywhere else apart from where it's meant to go. And that's why people who are harboring unforgiveness are the most horrible people to meet. They are irritable, they are angry, they are bitter. I'm sure some of us can think about a few of our colleagues at work or relatives. They are the most horrible people to meet. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting your enemy to die. <laughs> whoever, has, whoever has done you wrong is fast asleep at night and you are turning from side to side, churning and churning over the offense. And can I add, unforgiveness is like carrying a sack of rotten potatoes. Can you imagine one potato for every grudge that you bear? And have you smelled rotten potatoes before? Yeah. yeah. Unforgiveness will make you stink. Are you sitting next to any stinking people? Unforgiveness will make you stink. But you know the joy of it all. God will do anything and everything to reach us. 
He will empty the bottom of the barrel to reach us. He will raise hell and high water to reach us. Because every one of us is a big deal. I'm going to be looking at Luke 15 this morning. People call it the Lost and Found Trilogy. It talks about the lost sheep, then the lost coin, and then the lost son. In verse 4, it says, if you have 100 sheep and one gets lost, what do you do? You leave the 99 and you go after that one. Because that one is a big deal. That one is a big deal to God. That one sinner, one sinner is a big deal to God. It then goes on to talk about the lost coin. A woman had 10 silver coins. She lost just one. She upturned her house and swept it clean, looking for that one lost silver coin. Isn't that amazing? And when she found it, she had a party. That's how precious we are to God. That's how precious every soul is to God. But family, how can we talk of forgiveness without looking at the parable of the prodigal son? How can we talk about forgiveness without looking at that story? So this morning, I want you to come with an open mind. The medicine is bitter, but open your mouth and swallow it. I want us to unpack this story together. Because in that story, I see myself in three places, and I want you to do the same. That story has three parts. I'm not going to read it for the sake of time. The first part is the younger son who demanded his inheritance ahead of time. He took the money and he went to a far country, the Bible says. He spent the money, finished it, and he had nothing left. Up to the point that he had to work in a piggery. You know, in those days, I'm, I'm, I'm sure even now, pigs were considered for, forbidden animals. He was working in a piggery. And it was so bad that he even found the pig's food attractive. But another version of that story says he wasn't even allowed to eat it. Things were so bad. He was at the bottom of the barrel. 
And then one day, he came to himself. There was an aha moment, a light bulb moment. Have you had that moment? You know, I was born into a Christian family, but I've not always lived as a Christian. And when I was expecting my first child, I said, no, Yeti, you have to do something. I looked at my baby bump and I said, you have to change. You have to make a U-turn. Suddenly, I started thinking about where I was going to spend eternity. But most important of all, I knew that God will hold me accountable for the life of that child in my womb. And so, I did a U-turn. I made a U-turn. I ran back to the arms of my loving father. I'm sure a lot of us can identify with that. The second part of the story is the young man went home, but his father saw him afar off, the Bible says. And that just blows my mind. So it tells me, one, the father was expecting him. The father was pining for him. The father was praying for his return. The father was um, um, hoping that he will come home. And if it, was, if, we, if, if it was a day like ours, the father would have been checking his phone for missed calls. And I can just look, you know, imagine the father opening the window every morning, looking down the lane and saying, perhaps it's today. Perhaps it's today. Perhaps he's coming home today. And for people in the room this morning, perhaps today is your chance to come home. And when the father saw him, he ran. You know, in, this is a very rich man. Influential man. And in those days, rich men didn't run. They didn't. They walked majestically. He broke all protocol. He gathered up his long garments. And he ran to his son. Embraced his son. And he did four things. He killed the fattest cow. He gave him a change of garments. He put new shoes on his feet. I'm guessing he came barefooted. And to crown it all, he put a ring on his finger. That's just, that just signifies change of status. Royalty. 
And that is what God has done for every single one of us who has been forgiven. Our status has changed. We're royalty. And you know what? They had a big party. They had a big party. The Bible says in Luke 15 verse 7, there will be much rejoicing in heaven over one sinner, one, one sinner who repents than over 99 just men that need no repentance. Let me repeat it. There will be one, there will be rejoicing in heaven over one sinner, one sinner who repents than over 99 just men that need no repentance. It's a big deal to God. Let's go to the last part of the story. Then the older son comes home. And from afar, he could hear the music, the band, a lot of merriment going on. And when he was told what was happening, he went to his father and he said, how come I've served you, I've slaved for you, I've been here, I've been a good son, I've been a good boy, I haven't brought you any shame. How come? And if I, I want, if I, can I paraphrase? I've been a good Christian. I've served you. I've served my church. I've won many souls. I've fed the sick. I've housed the homeless. I'm a good person. Does that touch you? Does that touch you? Does that pinch you a little bit? I'm a good person. But how come? How come? You haven't done this for me. Many of us, and myself included, sometimes we look at people and we feel they're, they're just beyond forgiveness. They don't really deserve to be forgiven. They're just too bad. They're just too wicked to be forgiven. Secretly, we, we pray that they go to the hottest part of hell. Hmm. Can I just read the beginning of, of, of chapter 15? Just one verse. Or two verses, the first two. It says, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to Jesus to listen to Jesus preach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law complain that he was mingling with unclean people. We are like the task collectors. Sorry, we're like the Pharisees 
and the teachers of the religious law. We look at other people and we consider them notorious sinners, beyond pardon, beyond forgiveness. But let me shock you. Let me shock you. Matthew 21, 31 says something. Tax collectors and prostitutes will enter the kingdom of heaven before us. For the first shall be the last, and the last shall be the first. Remember the thief that was crucified alongside Jesus. He was both a murderer and a thief. He had unleashed a reign of terror in his community. He was notorious. He was the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst. But that day at the cross, he made a U-turn, the quickest U-turn I've ever seen. And he was one of the first people to go through the pearly gates of heaven. That is how great God's mercy is. This is one of those messages that will cut you to the heart. This morning, we're going to do business with God. We're going to do business with God this morning. It is time to let go. It is time to let go. Can I ask that you respectfully close your eyes? Don't look around. We're doing business with God this morning. We need to go down deep to come up clean. We need to go down deep, 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 deep to come up clean. Please don't look around. This is your private moment with God. This morning, I'm going to be talking to four groups of people. Four groups of people. The first group are the people that are in need of salvation, who haven't given their lives to Christ. Perhaps today is your day. Perhaps today is your party day. The day that rejoicing will be heard from heaven.
Are you going to make a U-turn today? Are you going to turn around and come back home? No one is beyond forgiveness. The Lord is here to forgive. The Lord is here to turn things around in your life. Are you ready to say yes, Lord? I surrender. I surrender. I want to come home. Are you ready to say I surrender? I surrender totally. Or perhaps you just want to rededicate your life. Yes. We are at the cross this morning. We are at the cross. The second group of people are those that need to forgive. It is time, time to let go. It is time to let go. I know you've been betrayed, you've been abused, you've been disappointed, you've been cheated, you've been hurt, and it's deep hurts. Bring that to bring that to the cross. I know people have disappointed you. They've turned their back on you when you needed them most. Bring that to bring that to the cross. And if you're here in the room and it's an emotional moment and you need prayer or you need support just raise your hand a little bit and one of the leaders will be around just to touch you on the shoulder and pray with you, pray through with you let's seize this moment let today be our day of freedom Let today be our day of freedom. The day that we access our promised future. Yes. It's time to let go. Bring it to the cross. The hurt, the pain, whatever it is. Bring it to the cross. There's healing there's healing at the cross. There's healing at the cross. The blood is still flowing. The blood is still flowing. The blood that cleanses. The blood that forgives. The blood that brings peace and healing is still flowing. Bring it to the cross.
The third group of people are those that will need to leave this room this morning and go send a text, make a phone call, pay a visit to somebody that they have offended and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for hurting you. I'm sorry I was wrong. I didn't think it through. Please forgive me. We're talking freedom here. Yes. We're talking freedom here. This is the real deal. This is what God wants. This is why he died. We're talking freedom. Some of you need to go home and reconcile. Leave your gift at the altar and go home and make it right. There's forgiveness in the house. If you need support, please raise your hand. Don't be ashamed. This is our eternity that we're dealing with. This is the big deal. This is deep. This is important to God. Time to let go. Time to let go. And then the fourth group of people are those that have to forgive themselves. God has forgiven you. It's time to forgive yourself. Yes, you've done unprintable things. You've committed horrible atrocities. Bring it as well. Yes. Forgive yourself because you have been forgiven. Forgive yourself for what you have done. Stop looking to your past. Stop looking behind you. Stop looking in the rear view mirror. Forgive yourselves. Forgive yourselves. Stop living in regret. And you know, sometimes it's difficult to forgive ourselves for what we have done. But it's also difficult to forgive ourselves for what we haven't done. For time that, has, that we have wasted. For opportunities that we have let slip by. 
perhaps you haven't been a good parent, a good spouse, a good brother, a good colleague. It's time to forgive yourself. Let's forgive ourselves. God is merciful. God is merciful. Let's come to the mercy seat of God this morning and hold on to the edge of his garments. Let's come to the feet of the cross, the foot of the cross, and say, God, we are here now. We want to do business with you. We want our freedom. Let's hold on to the feet of Jesus and say, Master, I want to be free. I want that freedom you died for. I want that freedom you bled for. I want that freedom you have been crucified, you were crucified for. I want that freedom, Lord. I want it now. I want it now. You know, this can be the best day of our lives. Let's go. And let's go. Let's go. And let's go. Let's go. stand and take this song.
are gone. The hurt is gone. The pain is gone. We are healed. We are healed, church. We are healed. We are set free. We have our freedom. We have been liberated.
precious blood. The blood that speaks better things. The blood that speaks of peace and joy. The blood that has opened the way into the heavenlies. The blood that has given us access into the presence of God. This is the blood of Christ. Let's drink together. Praise the Lord. Was bought with the precious blood. 